0: What's going on and welcome into a Hall of Fame edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. Of course, everyone is all smiles here inside the Oxford Sports Performance Center today as the Pelicans clinched a play-in berth last night to the Sacramento Kings, 123-109. to 109. We'll get to that in a little bit, but our special guest is a, is a new member of the Nason Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. Of course, you know her as the Vice President of Basketball Operations and Team Development. For the Pelicans, that is Swin Cash. Swin, good to talk to you. How are you?
1: Hi, thanks. I'm happy to be with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So how does it feel? You inducted into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame last year. Now basketball, the naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame this year. I'm assuming now every year you're going to be inducted into some sort of Hall of Fame, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I don't think so, but uh, it's definitely been a lot of fun Um, and definitely a whirlwind. So uh happy to actually start getting my bearings back underneath me again. I said, man, I was used to moving a lot as a player. I guess I've been retired too long. It kind of wiped me out for the weekend. Um but overall, I'm extremely happy. Extremely happy.
0: Yeah, and, and certainly well-deserved. Take me through the weekend with all the festivities and the announcement
1: um and you all being at the final
0: four. What did kind of this weekend mean to you and your family?
1: Uh, you know, my family were they were just over the moon. Um they had talked probably about this moment more than anybody that I know, um, and it's just really, just really, just taking it all in and being there with my other, uh, the other inductees and kind of my classmates. I would say going into the hall and just having jokes and being able to talk to each other and um, just really sharing that moment. It was a lot of fun um, having the opportunity also to just hear people's stories and share and moments and go down memory lane. That's what it's truly all about and makes me excited. I've been to the hall of fame number of times. I've been to induction ceremonies, um, and to now know that I'll grace that stage and uh, be with some of the best that ever do it, uh, it. It's pretty special.
0: Take me back to when I saw the video and loved it as far as how you found out, how much in advance do you find out about something like this when, you know, you do the ceremony here over the weekend, but how far in advance do you get the idea of when you might get that phone call?
1: Yeah. So uh, once you're a finalist, um, they call every finalist, um, mm-hmm. whether you're in or you're not. So you're getting that call. Um, they'll call you and say, hey, we're doing it on this date, this time. You have a couple of days to prepare just to make sure your schedule's ready. Um, and that's what happened with me. Um, I actually had already had um, a prior engagement and a huge shout out. Um, to my son's doctors, um, our team doctor, um, Dr. Gotchalk, and um, just Ashner in general, just really trying to work with me to help um, make sure my son could still get in and and get taken care of. He was supposed to get a small um, procedure done, and so that happened, and I was able to get back home and be with my son. We're taking care of him, um, his dad and I, and uh, the call was supposed to come at noon. And so noon passed and my son's getting a little fidgety and I smell something. I'm like, oh, babe, I think he went to the bathroom. So I cracked the joke and I'm like, watch, I start changing his pamper and his phone rings. He's like, nah, nah, you probably got time. I was like, I know they're going to call everybody. So I start changing his pamper and ring, ring, ring. Here comes John Hall of Fame. Um, So it was literally a very authentic, wholesome moment because that's usually what happens, um, whether it is trade deadline, whether it is uh, anything happening when you're a working mom, stuff just kind of is. And in that moment, I'm not going to be like, "Okay, sire, hold on with the messed up diaper. Let me make sure I get into the Hall of Fame. So uh, (laughs) it was just a a lot of fun. And I'm sure when he's older, he'll appreciate the moment.
0: It was a really cool moment. And like you mentioned, authentic, really, really cool to kind of take us behind the scenes of how you found out. So when John calls you and you answer the phone, I mean, what is going through your mind besides trying to change a diaper? What's going through your head as far as what you're expecting to hear on the other line?
1: Um, just open. Um, I, at that point I was just, you know, obviously very overwhelmed and happy to, to be a finalist and, um, just waiting to hear whether I was in or I wasn't I was prepared either way um really my focus to be honest with you was so much on my son that whole morning that whole day that um it was just one of those things where it was like you know you have a full calendar of different Mm -hmm. things and you're like this happened at noon this happened at one this happened at two um but I was ready I was ready for the moment
0: absolutely so I I know you kind of talked about in listening to the other stories from the people in in a very nice class that you all have for the season but I guess to put it in just a simple perspective, I guess, what this honor, there's a lot of different things you've won. You've been a WNBA All-Star. You've been a WNBA champion. You've been a collegiate champion at UConn, uh, All-Star Game of, I mean, it would take us a whole podcast to go through your accolades, but what does this specific one mean to you to be into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame?
1: Um, it means a lot. It means that I, I didn't get there by myself, and along the way, people really kind of took time time out to pour into me to help me achieve like my goals and i hope whenever i get there and giving that speech that everybody feels the love and support that i've felt throughout my whole career
0: what does it mean to you that out of the pelicans front office there are two hall of fame women in the front office there's not a lot of front offices that have hall of famers let alone two women what does that speak to you and teresa whether it's been about what you all have been able to accomplish and what this organization has to offer as far as bringing in women to the, you know, the executives and an assistant coach here. I mean, that, that has to be pretty special.
1: Uh, it's pretty special. I give a big shout out to, uh, to David, to David Griffin, uh, my boss and obviously uh, Ms. Gail Benson kind of leading the way and understanding that, you know, we're continuing to build here and having great people and diversity in the room is just as important um, as anything else, and so not only can we hoop, but we're also, you know, being in the Hall of Fame is pretty special. I would say.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Let's turn back the clock a little bit. When did basketball become a part of your life? At what age did you begin to play? When?
1: Um, I played baseball, so many other sports. Um, my um, you know, I was blessed throughout my career that my family is so big that we always played a bunch of sports together and to have an opportunity to fall in love with basketball was really I think when I got to elementary school and it was all about hey um you know let's compete and I love competing on the team sport I love seeing other teammates and people have so much fun like playing the game and and loving the game um that I loved and you know when you're when you're mom's one to 12 and you have 75 first cousins you kind of figure <laughs> out team sports may be your thing
0: yeah for sure and so at what point did you think wow I could do this for you know past elementary school play in high school potentially play in college uh what at what moment did you think oh I might have something here with basketball
1: I think it might have been after I mean I started getting letters and stuff I think in eighth grade but I think it was um ninth grade I had opportunity to travel team to go to Paris and I was like man I could really use basketball the tool to do these amazing things in the world and it's it's not even work it's just fun I can get a scholarship get my education but I think it really came down to after I believe I think in 95 was UConn's first national championship and I remember being an open gym that summer um, after they won and my head coach came over my high school coach Gerald Grayson and he said hey he can't speak to you but you see that guy over there in the the corner he just wanted to wave and say hi you know they just won a (laughs) national championship that's coach gino Oriyama. i still had no clue and i just waved (laughs) with a smile and went back to hooping um but afterwards when i went home and so i talked to my uncles and my family and everybody's like what what nobody called us nobody told us (laughs) and he literally came and sat in an open gym uh in the summertime to kind of watch me play I i thought man, I must be doing something right for that to happen.
0: Yeah, so then you go to UConn, your team finishes 39-0, and 0, you win a national championship, but also the WNBA was created in 1996. So obviously you're still um, in high school working your way up to college. So when you hear that the WNBA is created, at what point did you think, all right, well, maybe this is the new goal now is because, you know, there was really no way for, for women to go as far as whether they'd go overseas to play professional basketball. There was really no professional basketball in the United States. Did you think, OK, maybe this is a new goal now that when the WNBA was implemented, that that was going to be your next step after UConn?
1: Yeah. I mean, you go through life and you have all these goals and dreams and nothing's wrapped around the ability to be a professional athlete unless you were dreaming about, I'm going to be in the NBA and play in the NBA and be the first woman to do X, Y, and Z. But the WNBA came along and it changed kind of my whole perspective of like, hey, this is an opportunity. I can see it. I can be it. I can be her. Like, I mean, those commercials, like, we got next. I mean, you're talking about Lisa Leslie, Cheryl Swoops, Rebecca Lobo. I mean, Tina Thompson with the red lipstick. The legacy was there, and it was built on women buying into, sacrificing to make the WNBA, you know, my future dream. And now my niece, who's about to graduate high school next year, she now also is in a position where she's seen a WNBA. She, she knows exactly what it's about. And it's been there for her whole life.
0: And it's really cool. I mean, you won three championships. You played a 15-year career there. And so when you finish up playing, I mean, now you, you open up the opportunities, as you mentioned, to now become you're on TV. And you're now vice president of basketball operations here. I mean, what did the WNBA do to you? I know now you've put in a significant investment your time and your money now into a sport that is really growing. So how much does the NBA kind of take part in this, you know, moment of you being in the Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the one thing mm-hmm. um, people probably will say about me, my friends will tell you is I've, I've always been one of those, players and, um, businesswomen that I I always thought outside the box. Um, I was raised understanding that nothing's guaranteed, especially in this side of sports. And so Um, wanting to give back and wanting to invest in the WNBA was something that my husband and I talked about. And I really wanted to do not only for myself, but for my boys, I'm raising two young sons with my husband, and we want them to understand what the investment in women investment in being an ally and what that looks like. And so, you know, we always, you know, in our family say, Hey, you got to talk it like you walk it. And, um, that's really, I mean, really, really important for us. Um, And so I think the other part of it is right now, and it's just, as I've become an executive, even more doors have opened up. And so you think about like playing the game, and then afterwards, you're getting to have exposure of either investing in the game, or being in the front office and being an executive. And I'm just so, so blessed that every step along the way, that somebody has looked at me and felt that I deserved an opportunity or wanted to support me or give me advice. And I would not be here, Daniel. And I have to say a huge, huge thank you to all of those people and some seen, some unseen. um, But it just means a lot to know. And that's why I try to give back as much. That's why I try to mentor or I try to make calls and make connections for people to have those opportunities because I know it was done for me.
0: Absolutely. So when you mentioned your two sons and Satan Sire, do they really fully grasp what has happened? I know you talked about your family waiting for this moment, but have they really understood what this means to you and your family, as far as being a part of the hall of fame?
1: Um, yeah, you know, I, th- I think everybody's a little overwhelmed and kind of waiting yeah. to see what's going to happen with everything for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know they're young kids. And so, but I mean, that's going to be some story to tell them when they were able to, uh, you know, grasp kind of the the concept of what went down over the weekend. Um, Let's talk about a little bit before I let you go here. I want to get to the Pelicans in a second, but you talked about all the other things you do and how much it's opened up the doors for you, um, not only as a player, but an executive, as an entrepreneur, as someone who does so much work in the community. What would your message be to young women who, not only aspire to potentially be a future Hall of Famer, but, but just be a, a woman that in sports that can do anything they put their mind to, as you mentioned, and be able to work up to the place where you're at and where other women are trying to go?
1: Um, I would tell them that if you don't believe in you, um, it makes it harder for other people to sometimes do that. And so, when you live in a day and age when everybody's trying to promote that they have confidence, sometimes having a silent, a, a silent confidence about yourself, your uh, about the work that you're doing, um, your aspirations, your dreams, that's okay. That's okay. Um, I, I don't. I, I was never raised, and I never would want any, if I ever had a daughter or any of the young girls that I mentor in my nonprofit, to think that there is only one kind of way that you have to be as a woman. Um, You don't, you have to grow, you have to learn and you have to know that when opportunities present themselves to you, take advantage of it but also make sure you're giving back. Um, So that's what I would say is the biggest thing is to have confidence in you. Um, believe in yourself. That is so important. And the more and more I see people try to tear each other down on social media, left and right, and never really have support, I tell young girls, believe in yourself. It is okay to be unapologetic about your confidence.
0: As someone that has two young daughters themselves, definitely will take that in consideration and obviously show them what you've been able to do um, to clear the path for women to be able to do what they want to do. Um, in any aspect of life, whether it's in sports or somewhere else. So Swin, before I let you go here, what an amazing week here now for the Pelicans, able to clinch that play-in berth last night. Still work to do as the goal is obviously to host a play-in game next week, but just take us through this season for you all that started so so tough with a 1-12 and record, you're dealing with the injuries, but seeing this team overcome all those obstacles and make their way into the plane. It's just been a true remarkable, truly remarkable story. just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on kind of from someone that's on the inside uh, how proud you are of this team and what they've been able to accomplish.
1: Yeah, I'm super proud of this team. I'm proud of our organization. I'm proud of our staff. Um, I have felt since the beginning that um, the the work being put in, Uh, was we were going about it the right way. The way that Coach Green was building um, him and his staff, how they were connected and committed um talking to Willie a number of times about the togetherness that that he he talks about and that he tries to reiterate again and again to to the players um our front office having to make some tough decisions some some decisions that pull on your heartstring, um but you understand that you're doing the right thing and you're you're staying committed to the vision that's that to me is what I look back you know so far in a season that I'm happy with understanding that you know, we made some some new hires even in our front office and changed up some things um, and people were able to still hit the ground running and to just want to contribute. I mean, I, I give we go through the covid years and you have, you know, your scouts that can't come in and you just you use technology and you just keep grinding and you make it work. And so to see our guys celebrating and to in, you know, get those text messages and, and laughs and all of that. Um, it feels good to know that we are continuing in the right direction. Now, our work is far from done, um, but when you make those steps, it's important to acknowledge it because it acknowledges the work that was put in. Uh, so that's kind of where we are right now. Uh, I am excited. I had a great morning this morning. Uh, my music was going and my mm-hmm. walk was good. I stepped a little different into my son's school, but overall, um, we're we're happy with the direction of the Pelicans right now. And we're going to stay committed to the vision um, that has been, you know, in place uh, since we got here in 2019. And so, you know, I just want to give hats off. We talked about Coach Green and his staff. I also want to give hats off to, you know, um, to my boss, David Griffin, who a lot of times um, is taking uh, heat left and right all over the place. But you know, as an organization and as a team, I felt like we just kind of kept 10 toes down and we stay committed to the work. I mean, it comes with the territory. And I love what I love most um, with a long winded answer, I would say mm-hmm. is I love our fans, though, because the ones that are, that are there right now that are that are rocking with us, have been rocking with us, it's sometimes hard to have patience um, and they've had that. So I I know our guys, I know our team is fighting to try to have that that playing game at home because we really want the world to be able to see um, just how loud and crazy and into it and that six men, or actually I would say the Pels 12 men mm-hmm. and women um, will bring it at the Smoothie King.
0: Yeah, the Pels 12 has certainly showed up and represented. The good news is, is tickets are flying off the shelf right now for the home play-in game. If pelicans are able to so make sure you do get your tickets i'll go over that at the end of the podcast but yeah every time everywhere i go with the pelican shirt on people are stopping me saying how excited they are and these players and and everyone in that front office deserved um, the fans stepping out and showing out for these last couple of regular season games in the plane but the good news is that this team is just getting started and i feel like the bright future ahead for this squad as they try to get into that playoff spot and get the eighth seed and take on the sun. Swin, I really appreciate it. It's been a huge and busy weekend for you, and a busy week as well to take some time to talk to us. I certainly appreciate it. Congratulations on being a newest member of the Nasa Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame, and I look forward to next year interviewing you on the next Hall of Fame that you're inducted in. Well, there's got to be one that's left, so I appreciate it, Swin. We got to go back to back to back. Well, I can't wait to talk to you then.
1: (laughs) I love it. Thank you, Daniel. Have a good one.
0: Yeah, you too. There she goes, Swin Cash, Vice President of Basketball Operations and Team Development. Play-in tickets are available. Again, we will not know until the end of the weekend if the Pelicans are able to host that play-in or if they'll go to San Antonio and take on the Spurs. It's very simple for the Pelicans. Win three straight games to end the regular season and they host the number nine seed and they'll host the San Antonio Spurs. But if there's a loss in there, you will need some help from the Spurs because Pelicans are just one game ahead of San Antonio, but the Spurs own the tiebreaker. So, Pelicans have to make sure they take care of their own business, and if they do so, then the Pelicans will be in good shape. They'll take on the Portland Trail Blazers tomorrow. Show out and show your Pelicans some love after a 3-1 and road trip. Tickets are still available, 504-525-HOOP, or visit pelicans.com. The Pelicans will hit the road for their last regular season game on Saturday at 5 p.m. against the Grizzlies. Then back home Sunday, it's a late one, 8.30 p.m. Central time. But pack the house for the regular season finale. And then, yes, next se- next week, postseason basketball no matter what at least one play-in game for the pelicans hopefully it's a lot more and hopefully it's inside the smoothie king center i appreciate all those listening to today's podcast and every podcast it is presented by Seeky, and again appreciates when cash are coming on this afternoon all right until friday i'm daniel Sanderson. thanks for listening to the pelicans podcast presented by Seeky.